I was trying to go live on our computer here, but we're having a issue. Uh, I think Facebook's experienced some kind of glitch. Uh, so we'll do it right from my phone. We have somebody on the phone here. Uh, not going to say who it is. And if you recognize the voice, please do not put the dude on blast. He was kind enough to go Facebook Live, so we all can learn from it. Uh, and I'm going to have him ask the question. I thought it would be a valuable question for all police officers in New Jersey to hear what exactly. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of confusion. I'm going to try to help you guys clear that up a little bit. So go ahead with the question, dude. So I'm looking for some information regarding the automobile exception and when you could, uh, when you can and can't search, I guess. So I know under the exception, one of the requirements is that it has to be un unforeseen and spontaneous. So if we have a, uh, we had a vehicle the other day, left the house, uh, we stopped it, we got a bag of dope out of it off of a consent search. So now if we get another vehicle leaving that address uh, that we know is a known drug location, maybe somebody calls it in or we see the drug transaction go down, can we search that vehicle? Let me ask you this, dude. When you locked that dude up, did he say, yeah, I'm buying drugs from that house? Yes. That kind of changes the, the game a little bit. Um, you know, now you have, if you're including in your report, like, hey, we happen to see Last week, we stopped a gray Chevy Trailblazer, and we stopped him, and uh, he had we, we found a, uh, a bag of dope. You're going to reference this guy in your next report. So this week, we saw another car leaving that location, knowing that it's a known uh, drug-selling uh, house or whatever it may be, and now we're stopping that car, and we're going to begin to um, go into those questioning. So what's cool here is, is it, it's, not a, it's not really relevant with consent. It's relevant with PC and having your the ability to do a warrantless search. So you can always ask consent. Um, you know, like let's say you stop a car coming out of that house. Let's 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 talk about this. Let's just kind of switch it up to make it really really comprehensive for everybody, so you can all understand it real clearly. Let's say you're a narcotics detective and you're working with a guy who says, "Hey, uh, Jimmy Jones is coming down Route 33 in Freehold today. In the back of his car, I know he's gonna have a thousand bags of dope." This guy's a CI. He signed up. You're going to reference that in your report. That's what led you to believe that you're going to, you know, you're going to pretextually stop this car or find a, a, whatever it may be. If you pull over Jimmy Jones and you begin to talk to him and he gives you consent to search, that's fine. Okay. Because you got consent to search. Now it changes. If you pulled over Jimmy Jones, he doesn't give you consent and you call a dog out to the scene. The dog indicates in the car under unforeseen and spontaneous circumstances when that dog indicates you'd be able to now search the entire car but because you had pre-existing knowledge it was no longer unforeseen and spontaneous you will have to apply for a search warrant same thing as if you search the car and decide to let, let's let's switch up the scenario a little bit more let's say uh you're just sitting on 33 in freehold here comes a car passes by you and you have no idea. Let's call him Steve Thompson. Steve Thompson comes by. You pull him over. He's exhibiting signs of uh, deception and, and criminal behaviors and activity. A lot of indicators kicking off. You begin to do your roadside interview. You've developed enough reasonable suspicion to believe you're in the presence of criminal activity. And you, you ask for consent. He denies it. You call a dog out and the dog indicates, well, now you can go into the car because it's unforeseen and spontaneous. However, if you now tow that car back to headquarters, just because you could search it on the side of the road, you would now back at headquarters uh, have to either get consent 
or now apply for a search warrant without, uh, you know, you just don't have the automobile exception anymore. So that's really that. So you see what I'm saying there? So, so dude, calls for service, same thing. Uh, A call for service, depending on what kind of call it was, how much information you got and how much you corroborated the tip, it still doesn't take away unforeseen and spontaneous. Really, the only time you're going to have unforeseen and spontaneous circumstances, uh, the only time you're not going to have that is when you literally have uh, intelligence from a wire and you're going to reference it, um, you know, intelligence from another police officer that they know for sure something's going on here or intelligence from a, from a criminal uh, informant or I'm sorry, a confidential informant that's verified that you're going to reference again in your report. Um, and I'm saying these words reference in your report uh, very, very clearly. So that's the only time you're not going to have unforeseen and spontaneous circumstances outside of that. Like, let's say you're watching cars from a drug, like from a hotel that, you know, has a lot of drug activity. You didn't know, Paula and Steve were coming out of there and they were from Massachusetts waiting to do a drug buy. And when they passed you, they had reactions to your presence. You stopped the car, went into your criminal investigation proceedings and ended up getting consent or calling for a dog or smelling marijuana and going into the car, finding drugs. It doesn't matter just because the hotel was somewhere of interest. It's like it's like saying the same thing, like, yeah, hey, we sit on Route 33 or Route 1 or, or 287 or 440 or the turnpike because we know there's drugs that come up and down the turnpike. It's the same concept. We know that that doesn't change anything. It's, there's no intelligence specifically to that person having whatever you found in the car or you know, un, under those circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you. So now, if, uh, if we change up the scenario a little bit, we have a CI or somebody that you know, tells us this vehicle has to open it. We stop the car. They deny consent. But now we see something in plain view. Okay, so back to State versus Ziamara Gonzalez. I think it's 2016 or 2017 or even 2015. Uh, I'll, I'll actually edit to the language of this live video. What happens there in Ziamara Gonzalez is you have Monmouth County detectives from a task force following Mrs. Gonzalez. Uh, and then they know that she's loaded up. The rat okay. has told them that she's loaded up. So when they, they decide to light her up, as she blows, she commits uh, multiple acts of of motor vehicle violations, which allows these police officers to make a motor vehicle stop. Uh, they light her up, and when they walk up to the car, there uh, when she hit the brakes, I think, and I, you quote me, you can't quote me on this, but she had like three thousand bags of heroin fell out onto the floor of the car. Okay. In the plain view doctrine, inadvertence is now removed. So if you're even if you have uh, intelligence on it, but in plain view you see things, you don't know on you are under no requirement now to go and get a search warrant. Ziamara Gonzalez is spelled X-I-O-M-A-R-A Gonzalez. Uh, you figure out how to spell Gonzalez. If you use Scho- uh, Google Scholar, you'll find that case. So yes, if you saw it in plain view, you'd still be authorized to go into the car and retrieve those documents or those items, contraband, whatever it is. Okay, awesome. That makes sense. Cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Dennis. I right, appreciate right. it. You got it. All right. Talk to you later. Hopefully that cleared some stuff up for some folks. I know that everybody always has those uh, concerns and we, there are people who think they know what they're talking about and actually don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and this is really a good clarification for all you to work with. One guy asked me something uh, that I told him I would address in this video. Uh, I can't go back on my phone because let me just look here. I can actually use my computer, although I wasn't able to go live from the computer. I can go back to the question that was posed. Is this thing locked? Very fast computer, but it's not working too fast. So John Lang wrote, uh, asked me, uh, when we talked about the 
ability to arrest passengers or, or sorry, anybody in a motor vehicle setting who's subject to a summons and you believe is lying. I quoted Pierce and Lark. And uh, he asks, isn't that obstruction? Now, obstruction must be by physical act. So if you're stopping a car and they were refusing to provide that, you could compel identification and they were refusing to provide their documents or refusing to provide um, their license for the whatever it is. Um, let's talk about a few things here so you guys have it clear. In New Jersey, you pull somebody over under State versus Pearlstein 1985. Okay, I'm trying to fix this camera because it keeps sliding. State versus Pearlstein 1985. You have to provide a police officer your documents as a driver of motor vehicle. You have to provide registration, insurance, and your driver's license. Failure to do so is now an act of obstruction, uh, obstructing administration of law, which means that it has to be of physical nature. We go into State versus Camillo, 2008, I believe, off the top of my head, which said that silence wasn't actually considered obstructing administration of law, nor is lying about your name. It has to be physical. So that that funny little wording we have at the back of obstructing in New Jersey, it says like any independently unlawful act. Uh, that's no good. That actually got removed. The language was no good. It's too broad and it was unconstitutional. If you read State versus Camillo, there's actually legislation uh, up to be passed uh, on the uh, by the Senate enacting some more clear language and obstructing for people who will not provide their information. But at this current moment, silence will not do that. You'll have to get somebody trying to evade uh, physically from you for that. So um, if you have somebody lying about who they are on motor vehicle stop and they have a warrant for their arrest, that's hindering. But you have to know they're hindering from something to be charged with hindering. Essentially, what you're taking them in on is the authority of Title 39. The authority of Title 39 allows you, under certain circumstances, to make an arrest to ensure the person will respond to a uh, to a summons. And it doesn't. A lot of people get confused with the first ver the first side of Pierce and the second side of Pierce. The first side of Pierce talks about uh, public safety exemptions to this rule, which is like 450, 4-49.1, uh, CDS and motor vehicle, uh, reckless driving, leaving the scene of an accident, willfully abandonment of vehicle, uh, DWI, I said DWI, whatever, off the top of my head, those are a few of them, where, where somebody actually has their license, but because the, the nature of the fence is so, I'm just trying to fix my phone, my wife called me, she buzzed it and it starts rolling forward, not really meant for her phone where I've, where I've set it up. Uh, the nature of the offense is so dangerous that you can actually make an arrest for a 340 for drug while suspended. Now, on the other side of it, it doesn't matter what the offense is. It's that you're subject to a motor vehicle offense, but we can't figure out who you are. And that's where the authority comes in. Even Lark, when they talk about dr a driver in Lark, they're talking about somebody that's subject to a summons. What if you were pulling a car over for a front seat passenger not wearing a seatbelt? That was your primary reason for the stop. Do you think that it's any different from somebody driving a car not wearing a seatbelt and somebody from who's a passenger in a car not wearing a seatbelt? You think the authority is any different? Would you think you'd be able to just arrest the driver under that circumstance? So, guys, you got to use your brains. You got to use common sense in these things. Um, when they say driver, the language actually should have said somebody who's subject to a summons. Driver was just the, the, the circumstances of that case. Um, you know, and I always I often pose this question in class, like, if you're why are 17 out of 94 people here making arrests under these circumstances and you're not and do it continuously and have fun done for years? Who do you think's wrong here? Why are these people searching folks, finding stuff incident to arrest and not having it suppressed in court and convictions being uh, upheld because what you're doing is completely legal just for some odd reason. This state doesn't think they can do that. We're trying to clear that up for everybody. So uh, I, I've, I've left the literature up, the links. Um, 
We've talked about some cases today. Write them down. I actually have to run out of here. I'm going to try to make sure I get these up. I have a few things to do. I got to run back home. And uh, tonight, I'll see whoever's going to the NJ anyway boat thing tonight. Uh, I'll be there and say hello to some folks. Uh, hopefully, that cleared things. It is not obstructing because it's not physical. It's the authority of Title 39 that allows you to bring them in. Remember, to be charged with hindering, you must be hindering from something. Don't think there are not circumstances where somebody may not know their social security number. Maybe you think they're hindering and they're actually telling you who they are. Can you still charge them with hindering? No. But you certainly, if you've built enough reasonable suspicion to believe that the person may be lying about who they are, you certainly within your rights and authority, if you cannot find them, they're a ghost anywhere, uh, to bring the person in for identification purposes. And that's a full-blown arrest, guys. There's no such thing as transporting against somebody's will, Texas v. Calp or uh, Dunway v. New York federal Supreme Court cases, you just can't bring people in for identification purposes. It's actual full-blown arrest. You should be doing booking sheets. You should be writing IRs on these incidents. If you don't do that, if you get caught, you're going to be up shit's Creek. You're allowed to do it. Just do it correctly. That's all you got to do. With that being said, I got a rule. My wife's going to kill me.